The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. So Castle is playing tour guide to a Russian diplomatic security officer. His name's Vasily... Vasily Zhirov? Yeah, do you know him? He's a cleaner with Russian foreign intelligence. So diplomatic security is just a cover? Yeah. Then what's his real mission? Who knows? But if your husband gets in Vasily's way, he's going to be collateral damage. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, March 31st, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Well, collateral damage is nothing compared to what might happen if the Western nations fail to acknowledge what is happening globally. And it's not just about Russia and Ukraine. It's about all the issues that are now coming together. Last week, we discussed how easily everyone discussing the Ukraine issue was, as we put it, quote-unquote, Russian to conclusions. And one of our listeners responded by saying, this love of Putin that I'm seeing from just right is disgusting. Well, in light of that, I thought that since this view is perhaps reflective of a lot of the commentaries in the state-funded media, that we should address it, as we shall do right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Now on last week's show, I cited the Russian dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn as being among the people who seem to have favorable views of Putin, and I wondered if in today's environment a voice like his would be allowed to be heard. And I pointed out how the deep state's incessant blame the Russians for everything narratives would be comical were it not for the sad fact that so many people take them seriously, being unaware of how much of that blaming is mere projection and based on things that people think they know that just ain't so. Now, thanks to events in Ukraine, it is now becoming clear that even those who do not blame the Russians for everything are hesitant to quote-unquote pick sides in the current conflict, despite a lot of valid evidence that would make a judgment like that easy to make. And part of the hesitancy, as I saw it, has been attributed to the so-called fog of war that results from all the competing narratives and false flags calculated to distract and confuse. This fake news has long been used to deflect attention from the deep state's own crimes and corruption. And much of that corruption is centered in Ukraine. Putin's actions have exposed it all to the world. And it doesn't matter what you think of Putin. Think of what has happened there and what truth is coming out now. And from the proven-to-be-false accusations that President Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians to the current denials of confirmed biolabs in Ukraine being targeted by the Russians, those participating in these frauds are clearly the villains. In contrast, Vladimir Putin's actions in the Ukraine have been consistent with his own stated intentions announced in advance, and he's been following through on all that. 
To illustrate how the state-funded news media spins this, on Saturday, March 26th, the National Post ran an article under the headline, Moscow's Focus Shifts to Donbass, written by Gleb Garanich and Natalia Zinet. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing those names correctly. But there were two paragraphs that attracted my attention, and the first one was, quote, In the month since Moscow invaded Ukraine, Russian troops have met stiff resistance and failed to capture any major city, end quote. Well, duh. This statement, <laughs> it's amazing what it says. It makes three assertions, and all of them false in the context presented. First, Moscow didn't invade Ukraine, as in to take over and occupy the country. There is zero evidence of this, which is creating a major dilemma for fake news media, just as was the case in its assertions that the truckers' convoy in Ottawa last month was an occupation. Number two, Russian troops have met little resistance, not a lot, and could easily overwhelm that which they met. And on the third point, the Russians have not failed to capture any major city because it was never their intention to do so. And they said so loud and clear long before their so-called invasion. And then there's the second paragraph, quote, in an announcement that appeared to indicate more limited goals, the Russian Defense Ministry said a first phase of its operation was mostly complete and it would now focus on liberating the breakaway eastern Donbass region, end quote. So, so here in the same article citing Russia's failure in capturing whatever it is the fake news media thinks Russia wants to capture for whatever reason, are the same writers reporting that Russia has reported its mission in those cities they failed to capture as being complete. And that's something I was saying weeks ago. And now that the Russians would be focusing on Donbass, which of course is where the Russian people living there have become the victims of the Ukrainian government and its neo-Nazi zealots and their military actions, all funded and orchestrated by the West, by the way, and that includes the U.S. and Canada. But here's the kicker. Quote, Moscow calls its actions in Ukraine a special military operation to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine. Ukraine and its Western allies have dismissed this as a baseless pretext for an unprovoked war, end quote. Baseless? The evidence is overwhelming and goes back decades, all there for anyone to investigate for themselves. The neo-Nazis are real. An unprovoked war? All of the provocation for war is being made to this very day by the Western nations. And again, as cited, yet denied in this same fake news article, Russia appears to have limited goals. And this isn't a war in the first place. These contradictions, they, they report them side by side, and they, it just doesn't leave a fizz on these people. So in choosing to focus Russian military action against the neo-Nazi factions, which have been terrorizing Ukrainians for years, Putin's measured restraints should be celebrated, I think, by the world community. But instead, Western forces, and NATO in particular, seem intent on initiating a nuclear war in the name of defending a Ukrainian democracy that really never existed in the first place. Their elections have been fixed for ages. The moral hesitancy that has accompanied judgments regarding Vladimir Putin's justifiable actions in Ukraine is a symptom of the West's own moral crisis. This is perhaps the greater crisis since it has led to an increasing inability to judge the difference between what's wrong and what is right. And that was basically the theme of our show last week. Well, one feedback we got on our Facebook page relating to that show was from Louis A.P., who wrote, Holy F! 
the craziness is not only on the left, now I'm lost. <laughs> well, don't blame us for being lost, Louie. If you're lost, try listening to the show because any explanations you might be looking for are there. That's the whole point of our Facebook post. You get a teaser of what the related audio broadcast is about. And then, if you find something to be incorrect or contrary to the facts, let us know. And since there's no example in what Louis thinks is craziness, I can only assume, since his comment was a response to our Facebook post, that he doesn't agree with the facts that we have reported with regard to what's happening in Ukraine, or even with what's happening here at home. And I think the reason he's lost, and I'm forced to guess this, is that he cannot reconcile what he's hearing in the mainstream media with what he's hearing from shows like our own, and I understand that. In his very criticism, he has demonstrated the moral crisis cited in the post of an increasing inability to judge the difference between what is wrong and what is right, and therefore he is lost. Now, I could be wrong, but I've got nothing else to go on other than his reaction. Then there's this reaction by our listener, Amlan G. And he writes, This love of Putin that I'm seeing from just right is disgusting. The NATO agreement does not carry any water for me. To equate that with Russia and Cuba is moral equivalency of the worst kind. NATO is a defensive alliance, has no territorial ambitions, and if a country wants to join, no thug country should be allowed to veto that. On top of that, the way Russia is conducting themselves in Ukraine is further evidence of the thuggish nature of that country. Where the West effed up is in having any relationship with thugs like Putin, and in particular, outsourcing our energy policy to Greta, and thus making ourselves hostage to thugs. I'm not saying that the U.S. or Canada should be sending troops or helping with no-fly zones. This war is largely Europe's creation and Europe's problem. Let them deal with the consequences of their stupid and immoral decisions. But we can sell Ukraine as many weapons as they want, and we should provide moral support and also sanctions, end quote. Okay, Amlan, one at a time. You say that this love of Putin that I'm seeing from just right is disgusting. Well, my question to you is, based on what? Where are you hearing or seeing this? Because I refuse to get in on the Hate Everything Russian campaign being promoted by those I consider responsible for what's happening in Ukraine? And to what expression of this love are you referring? You know, this statement says one thing loud and clear to me. Either you're not listening to our shows or you're not getting the message. Because if you were, you would know that I spent a whole quarter of a recent broadcast literally citing several of our past programs where the theme was about warning the West against Putin. To say nothing of those broadcasts themselves. Anybody can go online and listen to them. So where's this love of Putin? You know, the love that you are misinterpreting as a love of Putin is not about Putin, but about our love of the truth. To argue, based on the evidence in front of our eyes, that Putin's actions may be justifiable, especially in the context of all the factors we raised on the very broadcast accompanying the blog post being criticized, it would be a moral crime for me to, to, to just ignore that. But the major point in this regard is that I'm only the messenger, not the message. The balance of Amlan's criticism is, in my humble opinion, completely at odds with the facts, history, and politics that has led to the situation in Ukraine. To suggest that the U.S. and Canada have no role there, and that this war is largely Europe's creation, is to assume that the latter precludes the former. Again, we routinely 
include audio bites from news sources, from Tucker Carlson to reporters reporting from the front lines in Russia and Ukraine. And Canada was, in particular, raised several times as a key supporter and funder of the neo-Nazi movement that is indeed a fact in Ukraine. Amlan says that NATO is a defensive alliance and has no territorial ambitions. Well, that's the popular theory, but what's the practice? By sticking to this belief, he's automatically simply dismissing and casting aside all the verifiable and documentable history of NATO's, to use his word, disgusting actions throughout the world and of its string of broken promises and political interventions that you can't just consider being simply defensive in nature. If Amlon has any evidence to dismiss this entire history, an example or two might go a long way in at least establishing his position in some way that we could respond to it. And he writes that the way Russia is conducting themselves in Ukraine is further evidence of the thuggish nature of that country. Well, again, examples please. If the conditions and actions described by people on the ground in Ukraine, as well as the reports by many trustworthy news sources that we've been hearing, who all say that it is the Ukrainian neo-Nazis and not the Russians who are perpetrating the thuggish behavior, I mean, if you're just going to ignore all that, then give me some counter-evidence. And why has Amlan not mentioned the confirmed and documented biolabs in Ukraine, funded by America and Canada, among others, that Putin has been targeting and exposing while doing everything possible to avoid civilian casualties, a fact that even the mainstream propaganda media has been forced to accept? You know, what I smell here is something akin to the Trump derangement syndrome, morphing into the Putin derangement syndrome, especially based on some previous comments we received from Amlan. Back in December, he wrote that he was concerned by our show's unabashed support of Trump and how he despises the left but has a hard time understanding how anyone can objectively say that Trump is better. Quote, I have no problem with saying that he's maybe the best of a bad choice, but to laud him as a hero is just beyond me, end quote. Well... I have said in the past that Trump was the best president to sit in office during my lifetime, but the word hero is not a word that I can recall using in any regard. And of course, Amlan also objected to our approach to COVID, saying that, quote, every broadcast I hear the same demonization of the vaccines, big pharma, big tech. I agree with choice on getting vaccinated, but the broadcasts have been nothing but vaccine bad and quotes from unnamed doctors about alternative treatments that have little evidence of working, end quote. Well, first of all, every doctor who appeared on the show was named, okay? Quit saying un unnamed doctors, come on. I wouldn't put them there if that was the case. And the comment about little evidence that alternative treatments like what, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin have little evidence of working? That's patently false. We know they work. They've been documented for years. And the so-called vaccines aren't vaccines, and there's no evidence that they work. You can't prove a negative. They never did studies. There's nothing to say that the, these vaccines work or are safe. And look at, the, look at the adverse reactions reports. It's disgusting. You can't just ignore those things to maintain a position. So, from our love of Trump to our love of Putin, Amlan thinks this is disgusting and concerning. Well, as with all criticisms we get of this type, there are really never any evidentiary specifics, facts, or even intellectual or moral arguments citing that point of view, just emotionally charged arguments, something we'll talk about later in the show. 
But first, on this side of our upcoming bumper, here's a very interesting commentary by Ezra Levant on a recent Ecos poll on public attitudes about Ukraine and the connection between those and the attitudes of so-called anti-vaxxer types. <laughs> well, and on the return side of the bumper, Stu Peters in conversation with Deanna Lorraine on the next COVID lockdown and how the Ukraine situation fits into that narrative. Now, I note that the liberal pollster Frank Graves of the liberal polling firm Ecos didn't seem to ask any non-belligerent options. It was a carefully selected list of options, all of which involved hostility towards Russia. It's a combination of wishful thinking and virtue signaling and demonizing an enemy who, by the way, may in fact be a demon. But I just want to point out that what the options had in common here, they were all aggressive. Whereas the one thing the anti-vaxxers agreed on is don't fight. They're not saying they're pro-Putin. They're just saying don't do all those hostile things, especially the ones that might start World War III. Three, because it's not our fight. That's not pro-Putin. That's isolationist, you could call it. By the way, I wonder what those same vaxxers and anti-vaxxers would say about sanctions against Chinese oligarchs for a number of reasons, from their crimes against humanity to their industrial espionage to taking Canadians hostage to the role in the virus labs in Wuhan to their concentration camps for Uyghurs. Just, just curious. Graves and the Star says these unvaxxed people can't be correct. He says they can't have a legitimate point of view. He explains these answers by saying they're just dumb. Let me quote. The study concludes the results uh, point to the highly corrosive influences of disinformation. This is definitely a new and bluntly insidious force that is contributing to polarization and disinformation and poor decision making. And it doesn't seem to be going away. Things are getting worse, said Graves. I don't think this is because those people had an ingrained sympathy to the Russians. They're reading this online. They're consuming this from the same sources that we're giving them the anti-vax stuff. Got it. So, so anyone who disagrees with the, the Toronto Star is just stupid. Pfizer is pitching the fourth dose of a vaccine that doesn't really vaccinate, but you're still calling the skeptics the kooky ones? All right. The entire province of Quebec, may I remind you, was put under a lengthy prison-style curfew for health reasons. Uh, the media and the government promoted it, total cheerleading, but it recently emerged that there was no medical basis for a curfew, never has been in the history of mankind. Um, all the health experts who were asked said there was no justification. They told the public health officer this, told him they couldn't back up his political curfew with any medical reasons, but they launched it anyways. And you're saying the skeptics were the misinformed ones? You know, yesterday we played a short, fun clip from uh, me 10 years ago where, at an eco-protest where the protesters had no clue about anything. They were just told to show up, so they did, and they were handed their placards to carry. They probably didn't even read it, no clue. That is truly disinformation. They don't know what they're doing. But you go to ant any anti-vaccine mandate rally in this country, there's no one like that. You ask someone, why are you here? They will talk your ear off for an hour They've read more studies, watched more videos, listened to different sources, read more journalism than anyone. But hey, if it makes you feel better to call them uninformed and stupid, well, fill your boots. You're the Toronto Star. Unvaccinated Canadians are also more likely to have a profound distrust of government, 
science, and professional health experts, Graves said, and are more likely to support the protest convoy that occupied Ottawa for nearly a month. Now that, I think that's true. Distrust of government. Is there any institution that has failed more in the past two years than government? Science? Well, sure, science being the word that politicians have stolen to apply to their politics. Science is some sort of shield against asking questions. Science is about questions. It comes from the Greek word to know, to investigate, to the scientific process, experimenting. There's no end in science, by the way. There's no unquestionable thing in science. If you can't question it, it's not science anymore. It's, it's something else. I don't know, politics, ideology, faith, whatever, superstition. Anthony Fauci is the worst. He actually says that criticizing him is tantamount to criticizing science itself, and that's so dangerous, so stop doing it. I mean, anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there, so it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. And if you damage science, you are doing something very detrimental to society long after I leave. Imagine saying you represent science. You're its only interpreter on earth. That right there is anti-scientific, unscientific. But also imagine saying that the scientific consensus cannot withstand criticism. I'll let the ghost of Galileo know that. Fauci is warning all of us that it may be time for another wave of lockdown soon. And there's plenty of sheep in this country, so I'm sure many will go along with it. But Israel and Australia are making people get their fourth or fifth COVID shots, which is all you need to know about how successful those shots are. But you don't need to look that far. You won't find any more extreme vax zealots than Hillary Clinton and Jen Psaki, but both of them just announced that they tested positive for COVID anyways. Deanna Lorraine is back. She is the host of shots fired here on the Stu Peters Network. I'm so excited to see you. Uh, so these <laughs> Bolshevik vax zealots supposedly tested positive, allegedly for the fake COVID chimerically engineered bioweapon spike protein virus in heavy air quotes. Right. Well, I, I'd love to know who sponsored their COVID positive announcement. Is it Pfizer or Moderna? <laughs> yes. Love to know here. Right. This is obviously just a giant PSA for going and getting your vaccine, because guess what? Russia and Ukraine, the boogeyman, that's been in the news. That's been covering in the news now for weeks, wall to wall coverage. So guess what? People are starting to forget about COVID a little bit, right? Oh, no, we're not as much fearful as COVID because we're afraid of Ukraine and the Russian Ukraine war. And they know this. So they want to redirect people back to COVID again and say, no, 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 this boogeyman hasn't gone away yet. COVID is still something you need to be very afraid of. So who other than the queen herself, Hillary Clinton, to come out and say, I got COVID positive. Even though I'm vaccinated, I got COVID. So you got to still be afraid of COVID. Still buckle down and be afraid and get ready for what's, what's to come after this, which Fauci has given a prelude to, which is probably another wave of lockdowns. So let's just, I mean, let's just back up for a second. 
Let's just pretend that COVID is real. Okay. Yes, let's pretend that. It's a virus. And let's just pretend that these shots are actually vaccines. It's hard for me to actually even say that. So (laughs) if they worked, right, after one, you would need no more. But we're up to our fourth shot in Israel and parts of Australia. They are up to five shots now. Five shots for one virus this is also stupid and silly it's 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 actually really actually it's not silly it's it's hard to actually utter these words because it is because it it is it is so it's but it's it's i want to say it's funny and silly and comical but it's not it's so evil and demonic and satanic uh that somebody is actually capable of putting all of this together to intentionally wipe a billion lives off the face of the earth to kill kids to make young little girls infertile so that they can never have kids ever again in the name of this thing that they built, that they engineered, that yeah. our CIA was responsible for in that bioweapons lab in Wuhan, China. And now we find out that there are upwards of 30 of them in Ukraine that Vladimir Putin is strategically striking while the media tries to tell us that he's some rogue dictator just randomly bombing countries and taking over the world. Now, I know a lot of people who do not agree with any of the narrative just heard. And if so, here's my challenge to you. Do your own research and please cite me some actual relevant facts to demonstrate that there are, for example, no biolabs in the Ukraine or that there are no neo-Nazis there or that any of the personal reports by Ukrainians and the media there sharing their experiences are not valid. I mean, here's another example of the kind of fake news that Ezra Levant cited just moments ago from the Toronto Star. And this came from the London Free Press on March 23rd, written by Lise Ravery, who I did not know who she was, but I looked it up online. She's from the Montreal Gazette. Under the commentary headline of Warped View of Invasion Raise Key Questions, and the subheading read, Among Local Russia Supporters Are Conspiracy Theorists, Backers of Quote-Unquote Freedom, and Foes of Quote-Unquote Elite. Well, this describes me to a T, doesn't it? So let's see what she has to say about me and people like me in this commentary. I quote, You don't have to be an expert in international affairs to know that the Russian invasion of Ukraine, a sovereign country, violates international law no matter how often Ukraine may have been controlled by Russia in the past. So okay, history doesn't matter. Got it. Next. After the Soviet Union imploded in 1991, Ukraine declared independence and started building a democratic state. In February 2022, the Russian army invaded a peaceful, democratic Ukraine, end quote. Okay, I think there's a bit of detail and history missing here to say nothing of a grand leap in assumptions about current affairs. In 2022, Ukraine was anything but peaceful or democratic. The country's elections had been tampered with by Western interests and in their support of the neo-Nazis who have been shooting and killing Ukrainians for years. This is not what I would be calling peaceful. She continues, And yet, some Canadians support Russia, or at least like Quebec Green Party leader Alex Tyrell, who said he thinks Russian demands are quote-unquote reasonable. They appear to try to justify the invasion. Such odd opinions are also found on the right side of the political spectrum, where the COVID-19 pandemic revealed the existence of extremists who claim Canada is a dictatorship. Amazingly, some of these people associated with the fight against public health measures in the name of freedom and who backed the truck protest in Ottawa are now 
supporting an unabashed dictator. Well, that was the very association that Ezra Levant brought up and that that poll brought up, right? One would think, she continues, that the brutality of Russian President Vladimir Putin would have them seeing our own homeland in a more accurate light, but no. Many seem to have joined the ignoramuses who claim Putin is a great guy. Never heard anybody say that. And suggest that the Ukrainians deserve their fate. I haven't heard anyone say that either. A young Quebec woman tweeted things would go badly if she was ever asked to donate to Ukraine. Like who? <laughs> All these vague, third-hand descriptions of things. You never get a fact. Quebec star conspiracy theorists... Alex Cossette Trudel, a man with an international following whose grandfather was a known fascist, relays Russian propaganda on his vlog Radio Quebec, hosted by libertarian platforms, alleging the supposed existence of biolabs in the Ukraine paid for by globalist governments to invent and produce weapons for biological warfare. Well, where's the evidence to the contrary of this? I don't know about that. Members of Cassette Trudel's immediate family have distanced themselves from him. In 2020, his sister wrote in La Presse that he feeds on the credulous like a vampire. I was disgusted to see on television a retired Canadian soldier who has traveled to Europe to participate in the conflict say he's proud to fight for Russia. I hope the RCMP greets him when and if he returns home. Deputy Minister Christia Freeland warned of serious consequences for such people. According to some of the most far-out members of the conspiracy crowd, the soldier would have nothing to fear in Ukraine because the war is staged. Crisis actors play the parts of soldiers. Victims walk away unhurt when the cameras are shut off. Guns are made of wood and Ukraine is a hub for child trafficking. Well, of course, a lot of these incidents are true. Even Tucker Carlson covered some of them and gave you the exact facts. You could see it right there. You could hear the people who were originally in the video deny that that was them doing that. She continues, No one knows for sure how many Quebecers and other Canadians support this sick nonsense. Some experts believe they represent between 1% and 10% of society. Well, <laughs> man. <laughs> Here's her next sentence. But there were only 2,500 insurrectionists in Washington on January 6, 2021, enough to threaten the workings of a democratic powerhouse. Wow, I can't believe <laughs> that this fake narrative is still in circulation. Now this is literally her next sentence. Talk about a non sequitur in terms of logic or rationality, but it's perfectly consistent with the writer's emotional state. And I quote, I've asked this question before, and I'll ask it again, until someone comes up with a rational explanation. What happened to the billions of dollars our governments have invested in public education since the 1960s? How can someone who has spent a minimum of 12 years in school refuse to see what is really going on? Why are children butchered, and by whom? End quote. You know, I, I got to this point and I was wondering if she was stable or what the hell's going on. So what this propagandist named Lisa Ravery is saying is that the people who disagree with her are stupid. Okay, so what? What if they are? I think she's stupid based on what she's writing here. But stupid people have eyes and ears too and they are capable of telling the truth and of lies. It's not the stupid we have to worry about, it's the dishonest and the corrupt. And what happened to the billions of dollars spent since the 1960s? Well, the answer is in the question. They were spent. Hello? 
Was she expecting the money spent still to be available in some way? Public education is a wasteland of ignorance and political propaganda and indoctrination, all to the exclusion of objective knowledge and investigation. Alternative viewpoints are no longer permitted, which is understandable, given this writer's inability to deal with them and probably all the other people who attend those schools. She writes, Some Canadians who don't know or understand what's going on reject solid evidence when it collides with their beliefs because they don't trust mainstream media, preferring to get their information from the cassette trudels of the world. Okay, so she's saying that the only place you get the truth is from the mainstream media. You can't get it from anywhere else. Well, that's an obvious lie, okay? And she writes, In passing, I will mention that Cassette Trudel has a doctorate. Obviously, education is not the only issue. This is almost incoherent. So in other words, now it's the education system that's stupid. The sheer insulting and contentless name-calling undertaken by this writer is shameful and embarrassing. Every criticism is aimed at some individual or at some group of individuals and never addresses any argument, fact, or philosophy. This woman is completely disconnected from reality and from reason, something we'll be talking about later in the show. And she writes, Are supporters of Russia so distrustful of our elites that they are willing to support a man with plenty of blood on his hands who, some say, may be the richest man in the world and is surrounded by billionaire oligarchs? Now that's an elite, end quote. Well, here again, the writer's complete focus is on the person, not on any of his actions or on any of the realities of what's happening on the ground in Ukraine or in our own countries for that matter. And here's her conclusion. When the extreme right demands freedom, which we have in abundance, I wonder if it wants the freedom to abolish freedom, end quote, and end of the article. Well, freedom we have in abundance? It doesn't work that way. Freedom's a condition. It's not a matter of quantity. The fact that any government even has the authority or power to demand lockdowns and mandatory experimental injections means that the condition of freedom simply does not exist. The fact they let you walk down the street without putting a bullet in your head doesn't mean that you are free. Don't even have the freedom to speak freely because they're so afraid of the truth. And, you know, and if it's the extreme right that's demanding freedom, what about the extreme left that demands freedom or the just right of the imaginary center that wants freedom? Why always pick on some imaginary extreme right? Well, for starters, it's just right, thank you very much, and it's just the right that represents freedom. That's why they always pick on the right, and you folks on the right better wake up to that, and you better start being proud of being labeled right. Every other political manifestation is a phenomenon of the left, especially the extreme right fascists that are terrorizing Ukraine with their neo-Nazi ideologies of hatred. And by the way, everyone already has the freedom to abolish freedom, because free citizens do it step by step in each successive election until we reach the point where we're at today, and it's going to get a lot worse. We have a long way to fall yet as long as this kind of journalistic excrement is smeared all over the pages of our so-called newspapers. This is the kind of crap that the general public is being exposed to incessantly and without end. Is it any wonder that so many are so confused when confronted with folks like me or people who are actually telling them an alternate narrative? They can't believe it. 
Hi, I'm the guy that supports the current thing. And right now, the current thing that I support with all my heart is Ukraine. Uh, the, the flag's upside down. Really? Oh, I thought, the, I thought the yellow went on top. Anytime there's a single narrative being pervasively broadcast with no room for dissent, you know it's gotta be true. I get on board real quick. Here's my new profile pic. It's been a long couple of years of tirelessly virtue signaling about different things, but I'm not gonna slow down. Stay at home to slow the spread. I still haven't left. <laughs> Two weeks for life, baby. Then it was defund the police, then build back better with Hunter's dad, then get the shot, get the booster, and then get another booster, and then get the third booster, and now it's all about supporting Ukraine. Yeah, I'm starting a movement to defund the trees because trees are still growing in Russia and that's not right. I've taken painstaking efforts to investigate the Ukraine-Russia situation. 100% of my research involves me sitting in front of the TV with my eyes open and my thinking suspended. Now, surprisingly, what my research has concluded is true is exactly what the news has told me is true. To be informed, you gotta turn the TV on and your mind off. This situation is not complex. Here's what I've learned. Ukraine is good and Russia is bad. It's that simple. There's really no nuance to this situation. Hey John, will you denounce Russia? Why? Because I'll burn your house down if you don't. All right, Russians are bad people. Thank you. Oh yeah, we should totally go to war, especially as long as it's other people's children going over to die. But World War III, think about it, there's no downside and everyone loves a trilogy. When I'm not washing my own thinking from my brain with the latest breaking news, I spend a lot of time trolling companies online to get them to suspend operations in Russia. Yeah, thanks to people like me putting relentless anger-fueled pressure on them, McDonald's isn't serving people in Russia anymore. Devastating! Like, what's gonna happen to the Russians when they're not constantly eating the most unhealthy food on the planet? <laughs> We'll probably get weaker. Dude, we got Netflix to stop streaming in Russia. Just gonna check and see if Putin surrendered yet. Oh, and Visa, MasterCard, and American Express have frozen all transactions on the Russians. <laughs> that is awesome. Preventing innocent people from buying things like food? That will definitely stop the Russian military, eventually. It's brilliant, just think about it. The Russians are ruled by an evil dictator who doesn't care about them. So by harming the innocent people that Putin doesn't care about, it'll probably get him to open his heart and stop invading Ukraine. And advocating for this kind of thing definitely shows everyone how great of a person I am. Oh, I'm a good person. So I fully support putting innocent Russians through increased hardship because I'm told to think it's the right thing to do. We need more love in this world. I hate Russians. And if you don't hate Russians, then you are clearly not hateful enough to be qualified as a good person in my book. Oh, cool. BlackRock just suspended all operations in Russia. <laughs> when an evil company that's single-handedly trying to destroy the world as we know it boycotts Russia, then you know it's the right thing to do. Mathematically speaking, here's the results of all my I support Ukraine efforts. People in Ukraine actually being helped? Zero. People online knowing they should think more highly of me? 10. But from my past, I support the current thing efforts. I've learned that math is racist. 
So these numbers are completely irrelevant. So I'm going to keep pushing the needle of narcissism forward because Ukraine needs me to. Zelensky is my hero, brave. <laughs> Just sending out a tweet. I'm inspired by all the heroic things the news tells me he does. As the I support the current thing guy, I've put in a lot of effort the past two years advocating for forcing people to stay at home cover their faces, and advocating for mandates that eliminate personal choice when it comes to someone's body. Sacrificing freedom and democracy for the greater good is the right thing to do. And if you don't think so, then you just want people to die. And I'll tell you this, we need to send our military to Ukraine to protect freedom and democracy. And if you don't think so, because you don't want people to die, then you're a far-right extremist, Putin science denier. I'll be honest with you, with the whole pandemic, I eventually stopped trusting the media. I could see through their propaganda to their lies and corruption. After two years of lies, they lost my trust. But they wouldn't share anything other than the unequivocal truth about Russia and Ukraine, right? They wouldn't have any incentive to perpetuate any sort of propaganda. And I don't even think they'd be capable of such a thing, even if they wanted to. It's not like you can convince millions of people to believe a lie. I don't think that's possible. People aren't that dumb. I don't know what it is, but I feel so much safer when people agree with me about the current thing. Dude, Starbucks just cut off Russia. This is so helpful. Do you think it's possible to cut off the air supply to Russia? But when people have a different perspective about the current thing than the one me and the media share, I feel so unsafe that I go into a fit of rage and want to smear the person and destroy their life. All in an effort to help Ukraine. I'm pretty sure mass formation psychosis only works with COVID. Hey, uh, why aren't you wearing any blue or yellow? Dude, wouldn't it be great if we started taking the people who don't support Ukraine and locking them into camps. Some people say Zelensky is an abusive dictator himself who's locked his political rivals in prison. <laughs> no, based on my personal experience in Ukraine by watching the news, I know this is simply not what I'm willing to believe. It's clearly Russian misinformation, probably found on Hunter's laptop, which also doesn't exist based on what the media that I trust has told me. Hunter sure does love Ukraine though, doesn't he? Supporting Ukraine with every ounce of my being is something I will never stop doing because it's so near and dear to my heart. Unless a new thing comes up that'll help me stand taller as a lamb amongst sheep. as an American all these decades, still, he's a Russian in his heart. But I will soften him up. <laughs> like ice cream on a hot summer day. Why can't you do that? Rick, you're a nice guy. I like you. So please, don't make me hurt you too. Please. Who are you? Obviously, you're not some happy-go-lucky diplomatic security agent. You remember Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Red Heat, yeah. yes? Compared to me, his character is like weak, non-violent child.
Now, there's a kind of Russian we all know and have learned to hate, right? <laughs> and for those of you who tuned in last week, you already know that this extremely violent Russian from our selected episode of Castle did indeed turn out to be on the quote-unquote right side in the scenario depicted. Given what was at stake, his actions were, to use the necessary moral distinction, justified. And right now, you are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Now here, quickly, <laughs> this letter got my attention. This is on the same day's paper, London Free Press, March 23rd, letter to the editor. And I quote, Bar all Russians, reads the headline. Regime change is needed in Russia in order to change their belligerent ways. Internal pressure is the best way to achieve this. The democratic countries of the world should not admit Russian nationals into their country, and any Russian national should have their work visa or student visa revoked. Why let them enjoy the freedom and institutions of the democratic countries? Send them home where they can enjoy their quagmire their re revered leader has created. They can reapply when Ukraine is made whole, and quote, written by Tony Kay of London. Now, this and comments like it, which I've featured on the show before, I regard as outright hate literature. Especially in Canada, where the government makes it clear that such expressions constitute hate when directed at an identifiable group, which he's done. Not a law I support, by the way. But consider the sheer and evil injustice that Tony is willing to participate in. He's completely willing to make individual Russian citizens, who might be here or elsewhere, not in Russia, suffer for what he believes to be something, some kind of wrongdoing of their government. Shame on him. Perhaps we should be judging Tony based on the actions and ideology of Canada's Justin Trudeau. See how he likes it. And by the way, just to emphasize the irony regarding the quagmire their revered leader has created? Well, I got a poster forwarded to me by my daughter Danielle which contrasted the conditions in Russia before and 15 years after Putin took charge in 1999. And here are just some basic stats, okay? In 1999, the GDP of Russia was 195 billion US dollars. In 2013, it was 2 trillion. 113 billion dollars. In 1999, the GDP per person was 1,320 U.S. dollars. In 2013, 14,800 U.S. dollars. And get this, in 1999, inflation in Russia was running at 36.5%. In 2013, 6.5%. Gold foreign exchange reserve in 1999 was 12.6 billion U.S. dollars in 2013, 511 billion U.S. dollars, and the national debt in 1999 was 78% of GDP, and in 2013 was 8% of GDP. So as you can see, it's quagmires such as these that have made Putin so popular with the Russian people and so hated by the leaders of the Western nations and people like that letter writer. And does my pointing out these facts make me a person who loves Putin? I don't get it. What, you don't like the truth? And what's my alternative except to remain silent about a truth I'm aware of or to lie myself to perpetuate the fake news narratives that are so easy to refute on any objective basis? Sorry, that's a sacrifice I just won't make. Now, on this side of our last bumper break, 
Greg Reese on the Nazification of the West, citing some realities of America's history that we ourselves highlighted, oh, about a dozen years or so ago. And on the return side of our bumper, Catholic Bishop Fulton Sheen from a broadcast made back in the 1960s on society's abandonment of reason and its consequences. Zelensky recently described Putin's denazification of Ukraine as laughable. And the brainwashed flock of the mainstream media certainly must agree. They have been told that Nazis wave the American flag and vote Republican. And the brainwashed flock always believe what they are told. But those of us still cleaving to our sanity remember that Nazis were members of Hitler's National Socialist Party from the 1930s and 40s. And not only were there thousands of Nazis in Western Ukraine back then, it is still a big part of their national pride. Nazi war criminal Stepan Bandera is a national hero. And there are actual Nazi organizations still thriving in Ukraine, including the Azov Regiment, which is now a part of Ukraine's armed forces. The Nazification of Ukraine is well documented and easily verified as is the Nazification of America. During the 1930s, there were many notable Americans who supported the Nazis, such as Prescott Bush, Henry Ford, and Fred Koch, banks such as J.P. Morgan and Chase Manhattan, companies such as General Motors, Standard Oil, Shell, and IBM. Major General Smedley Butler of the U.S. Marines was asked by these powerful entities to help them install National Socialism in the United States. I appeared before the Congressional Committee, the highest representation of the American people under subpoena to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men, which would be able to take over the functions of government. And when that plan failed, War broke out in Europe with the support of the banks and these American corporate entities. After World War II, only about a dozen were brought to justice at the Nuremberg trials. The Catholic Church and the Vatican helped thousands of Nazis evade capture via the rat lines, which brought them mostly to South America, where they built an entire town in Argentina. In Operation Paperclip, the United States secretly absorbed thousands of Nazis into the U.S. government, where they led the NASA space program and helped pioneer the military-industrial complex as well as Big Pharma. Many believe that being a Nazi is synonymous with being anti-Jewish, which may have been true in 1930s Germany, but it's complicated. Many high-ranking Nazis themselves, including Adolf Hitler, were Ashkenazi Jews, who can be traced back to the notorious Khazars, who mysteriously mass-converted to Judaism about 1,300 years ago in the region now known as Ukraine. Ashkenazi Jews ran the political Zionist movement in Germany. And for several years, the Zionists were the only political party allowed to operate inside Germany by the Nazis. Both the Zionists and the Nazis wanted their own ethnically pure state. And for years before their final solution, the Nazis helped the Zionists in their efforts to establish the state of Israel within Palestine. It was far more complicated than mere racial hatred. 
Nazism can best be described as fascism, and fascism is godlessness. The word Nazi is a made-up slur, but the word fascist can be clearly defined. It stems from the Latin word fasces, which is a bundle of sticks banded together to form a deadly weapon, an old-school meme that represents the deadly power of an organized mob, a gang. When men lack a personal relationship with God, they inevitably band together out of fear. Submitting to the strongman for a small taste of dominance, they become just another beast in the jungle. And today, we can clearly see this fascist mentality in all of these godless groups. The woke, the Satanists, the transhumanists, and the genocidal mass murderers of the Great Reset are all merging together into one giant Foskies. Godless men and women banded together out of fear. Fascists serving the strongman. Spiritually speaking, these are the weakest among us. And so far, we are allowing them to destroy everything. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Well, this telecast is on guilt. The word guilt today, you know, is not very popular. One isn't supposed to use it because nobody today is guilty, we're just sick. Uh, you have guilt only in an age where there's reason. Did you know that? As long as people think they believe in conscience, and because they believe in conscience, they will have a sense of guilt. But now, reason is not very popular. Even all of the fruits of our 2,000 years of Christianity today are being bypassed. There's almost a contempt today for philosophy and theology. And why? Well, simply because it's, it's reasonable. And it appeals to the mind. It makes you think. So when you think, you think of a goal or a purpose and how you may miss that goal or purpose, or how you may attain it. And with that comes a sense of peace on the one hand, guilt on the other. But today... We have no sense of guilt or reason. Reason is in disrepute. What's taking the place of it? Emotion, feeling, sentiment. When you have emotion, you have no guilt. First of all, let me show you how much emotion plays a part in our modern world. Take, for example, the subject of, of news. How much emotionalism creeps into news. We like to hear about people being killed, about wrecks, murders, assaults, rapes. You know, the best news is the breaking of the Ten Commandments. And not only news and not only advertisements, but the appeal to music. Today, simply because reason amounts to naught, almost all commercials are sung so that the drip, 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 drip on our heads and on our subconsciousness makes us react like animals to a trainer. Now, I'm not passing on the rightness or wrongness of these things. I'm merely speaking about the mood of our times. That's all. Guilt now has passed away with reason. What follows? Guilt has gone down real guilt into the subconscious mind. Not faced. It's hidden. So what are we f are faced with up here? We are faced up here with 
manifestations of guilt that are never recognized as such. So let me tell you something that is happening to the modern mind in terms of a tube of toothpaste. A toothpaste has a normal fixture at the top where under pressure the paste will come out. So too the human mind, when it's under the pressure of guilt, has a normal outlet, namely admitting it and seeking pardon. That's like taking the cap off the toothpaste. But now suppose you deny this normal outlet and you keep the cap on and then you begin to use pressure on this tube. What happens? You don't know where in heaven's name the toothpaste is going to come out. So now with guilt submerged in the subconscious mind and we get under pressures because of guilt, we don't know where it's going to come out. One way it may come out is in neuroses. Another manifestation of it is dreams. Carl Jung said that in his psychiatric experience, he examined about 25,000 dreams. And his theory is very interesting, that a dream is very often a revelation of our spiritual state. In other words, the unconscious mind is making compensation for what we consciously repressed and denied. Now another manifestation also is looking for a scapegoat. This is very common. In other words, someone to blame. And it will almost always be found that people who are discontent on the inside will always begin to blame somebody or something on the outside. Scapegoat, scapegoat, never the self. Oh no. That's hidden, because we live now in an irrational, emotional era. Well, everything we've been seeing around us is a perfect illustration of that irrational, emotional era, isn't it? Perhaps this is what lies at the base of what has recently been referred to as mass formation, under which facts don't matter and all decisions are based on fear. One thing seems certain. The Western world continues to have a very skewed image of Russia, as somehow, I guess, still being the former Soviet Union, while at the same time, the Western world has a skewed image of itself, as somehow still being the free world. But without truth, freedom will always be elusive, which is why our love of the truth, and not of individual political characters, is what motivates us to challenge the false assumptions and narratives that serve the fascists among us. And I hope that the love of truth is among your motivations to join us again next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Scenario 2. Russian army maneuvers take them accidentally on purpose across the West German frontier. Is that the last resort? No. Right, scenario 3. Suppose the Russians have invaded and occupied West Germany, Belgium, Holland, France. Suppose their tanks and troops have reached the English Channel. Suppose they are poised for an invasion. Is that the last resort? No. Why not? 
Well, we'd only fight a nuclear war to defend ourselves. How could we defend ourselves by committing suicide? So what is the last resort, Piccadilly? I need time to think about this. You have 12 hours. Have I? <laughs> You're inventing this. You are Prime Minister today. The phone might ring now from NATO headquarters. <laughs> Hello, yes. NATO headquarters. <laughs> Can you address their annual conference in April? I thought I could. I'm not so sure now. 